Hi, this is Malayan Verveer. And this is Kim Azzarelli. We are co-authors of the book, Fast Forward, How Women Can Achieve Power and Purpose. And you're listening to Seneca Women, Conversations on Power and Purpose, a podcast brought to you by Seneca Women. Professor Muhammad Yunus has helped millions of women lift themselves out of poverty. Sometimes referred to as the banker for the poor, he built Grameen Bank based on the principle that access to capital is a fundamental human right. The bank gives small loans to impoverished women to help them start and grow their businesses. Turns out, these women are a great credit risk. Not only do they pay back their loans, but they also reinvest their earnings in their communities, improving everything from education to healthcare. Eunice joined us at the Seneca Women Forum at the Metropolitan Museum of Art, where he sat down with Chelsea Clinton. Listen to their conversation and learn about the incredible work that earned Eunice a Nobel Peace Prize and hear about the advice he has for each of us on how we can make a difference. And stick around after the conversation for my top takeaways. Okay. Well, it is uh, such a uh, privilege for me to be here um, with someone I have uh, long admired. Um, I actually was honored to visit a Grameen village yes, um, more than 20 years ago. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Um, and, you know, saw then the transformative uh, kind of power in action um, of, of microcredit, uh, and yet understood then, and I think understand kind of more deeply now that kind of the loan is only the beginning of, of the relationship between um, Grameen and its uh, now, I think, nine million, nine million yeah. uh, borrowers. And so I think... Given the video highlighted kind of the, the credit dimension, and that is where Grameen had its origins more than 40 years ago, you know, Professor Yunus, could you talk a little bit about um, kind of what else goes along with the loan um, so that kind of the money is maximally empowering and affecting for your borrowers, their families, and, and their communities? Yeah. Well, thank you. You remember the your visit 20 plus years back. Uh, that was uh, the middle of our journey. Now it's uh, 40 years now. It's exp- all over Bangladesh. It's, uh, every single village is there. Uh, now over 9 million borrowers, as you mentioned. It's not only credit, because the word coined for the work that we do is microcredit. So everybody, uh, they lend money. Uh, but there are many other dimensions to our work. For example, uh, every borrower uh, has to have a savings account as soon as she starts the journey with us. Uh, so that even if you're very poor, if, even if it's a penny per week, you put the penny. Never miss that. Every, every week you have to put something in your account. So people were wondering why this little money and what's the use of this money. But the power of doing it regularly didn't realize at that time. We didn't realize at that time how big that will be. For example, today we lend out about $2.5 billion a year to these borrowers that we have. In their savings account from 2016, middle of 2016, they exceeded the total amount that we lend. They mean that they have more money in their savings account then we lend, I mean, it is more than $2.5 billion in their savings account. So they are not only borrowers, they are savers. And I tell the 
officials of the Grameen Bank, I said, well, you don't refer to them as borrower anymore because they are actually lenders. You are the borrower because they give you more money than you give them. So that's the kind of turning of the whole thing. And when you have money in your bank account, you feel completely different. Uh, you're secure. You're not uh, up in the air, not knowing what the world is like. Will be like here. So that's uh, one aspect of it. Then uh, we tried to make the second generation of the borrowers make sure that they don't repeat the same thing as their parents who were illiterate. So we want to make sure the second generation will go to school and go as far as they can go, and they continue to go to school, continue to go to higher education, and Grameen Bank gives scholarships, Grameen Bank gives education loans, so that nobody stops education just because there's not money for them. So they, we say, the, your mother's bank has all the money that you need, you just go ahead and continue. So you have a whole new generation, second generation coming up, where 100% literacy, 100% education in that system. So that's another part of it. Uh, sanitation. One thing which is, was missing completely 40, 42 years back uh, in Bangladeshi villages and so on. We made a rule in Grameen Bank, if you want to join Grameen Bank, first thing you have to do is to dig a hole and use it as a pit latrine. Uh, in the beginning they were puzzled, why do we have to do that? But soon they realized how important that is. And then we started giving loans for sanitary toilet. They're a very special type which is designed by WHO and very effective, very uh, simple. So we build this in the village and give them the loan, and they go to the company that we created, which is producing it, they, they come and install it for you. And women love this idea, because for them it's such a deep hassle to wait for the sun to go down so that they can go out. Men can go anytime they want, but not the women, because they have to wait. And it's a uh, tremendous pain for them. So when they see that this one is releasing their, all these patients, pent-up uh, problems, they were so happy. It brought pressure on the families, uh, even well-off families, rich families, who still don't have toilets. Uh, then their women in their families started complaining, how come even the beggar women have their toilets? We don't have them. So that pressure now brought to Bangladesh, almost every single village now have toilets, because everywhere. So, so it's not only limited to the Grameen Bank families, it is spilled over to it, and healthcare. As another issue that we realized, that this is, this is almost uh, synonymous. If you are poor, you are poor in health. So it goes together. And you, it shows up in many different ways, how those children become s sick and uh, thin and malnourished, and mothers particularly extremely malnourished and have so many problems. So we went into a healthcare program. So series of things developed along the way. Some of them became a series of businesses that we create, a special type of business, meaning that it has to be self-sustaining, like sanitation is self-sustaining. It's not a charity. We give them the loan, they pay over a long period, but they pay back so that there is no obligation for somebody that I'm obliged to give me a free toilet. There's no free toilet. So you pay for it and it's your toilet. And for healthcare, we made it very simple, very effective, so that they can buy it and make it happen. So that led us into a different dimension and completely called social business. Business 
to solve problems rather than make money. But I think you were already engaged in the work before you realized that you were doing exactly, social business. Exactly. Right? I had I mean, no was, idea. You had no idea what you were doing Absolutely. until yeah. you realized you had done it and then had to name it. Exactly. So maybe then, you could talk a little yeah, bit about kind of social business and kind of what that yeah. what that means um, and and the different. Uh, manifestations, because I know there are also different types of, of social business as well as clearly yeah. different industries that yeah. you're engaged in. Yeah, seeing this uh, repeatedly that uh, people kept saying, what is this that you're doing? That uh, Does it make sense to you? I said, it makes enormous sense to me, uh, but you're not making any money. I said, I don't want to make money. I want to solve the problem. But I don't want to lose money. I don't want to lose money either. That's, uh, the company makes money, but the company keeps the money. Uh, and I'm, not, I'm doing it to solve the problem. So gradually I gave it a name, it's a problem-solving company, to distinguish it from the money-making company. So it's a problem-solving company. And people laughed at it and said, well, what is a problem-solving company? And then I had to give it a little respectable name, called it social business. <laughs> <laughs> now it's become known as a social business globally, and people love it, and we do that. And we create... <laughs> created hospital, created, like I care hospital. There's a, uh, cataract is a big issue in Bangladesh, I'm sure there's many other countries. Uh, people don't know that they, uh, they can fix their eyes. Uh, they think if you grow old, you see less. It's part of the growing up process or getting old process, aging process. Uh, then we said, no, this, you can be fixed. Uh, but it, for them, it's very difficult to come to the city, to pay a lot of money to come to the city. Uh, and usually when a Bangladeshi person goes to a hospital, the whole family goes with it. So <laughs> they will not let him go alone or let her go alone. So it becomes extremely expensive for people to bring the whole family to the city and do that. So what we did, we built a beautiful eye care hospital in the village and uh, then started providing the service, very good quality service. Uh, uh, people loved it, but we made a payment system. If you can afford to pay the full price, you pay that. It's about $30 to have a one uh, eye uh, cataract operation, very good surgeon. Uh, and if you cannot afford the full price, uh, you pay for the um, consumables, like the lens you got, or the medicines that we gave, and so on. So whatever you are using. You don't have to pay for the establishments and so on. And if you cannot afford that, you just pay a token, $1, and everything will be done. So we make money at $30, when we do that, and we cross-subsidize it people who cannot pay the full price. So the whole hospital is run with the, the covering the entire fund, entire money. The first hospital came to the break-even point in uh, four years. We are very happy that you came to the break-even point. Now it's self-sustaining. Then you started the second hospital in another part of the country. That hospital came to break-even point in three years. So we got more excited. Now we have four hospitals running. And they are paying back the money that uh, we invested. And as we get better money, we invest in another hospital. So the same money now going around, building one hospital after another hospital as a social business. Because in social business, you return the money that is invested, and you don't take any profit after that. Profit is plowed back into the system. So this is what is happening. And also, we had the problem of electricity. Bangladesh doesn't have electricity, particularly in the villages. Uh, you go to the villages, you see um, uh, kerosene lamp. That's about what you can say anywhere you go. And it's a very sad thing to see when the sun goes down, the whole country becomes dark. We all see little feeble lamp. 
And it feels sad that uh, in this day and age, people have to live like that. It reminds you of the cave days, not the real civilized days. So one idea that we came out, why don't you bring the solar energy? That doesn't need huge investment, build all those things, infrastructure, which government has to do. This can be done by individuals. And we can convince the expert, they say, no, it's too difficult, it's too expensive, it's good for Europe, good for North America, but it's not good for Bangladesh. I said, who says so? Let's try that. So we created a company called Grameen Energy or Grameen Shakti, and it started selling solar home system. In the, in the beginning, everybody said, oh, this is too expensive, we cannot afford it. Selling five or four, six solar home systems per month was such a challenge. But we didn't give up. We thought this could finally people will realize the benefit of it. Then we came up with a very simple idea. We tell them, okay, it's expensive. You tell us it's expensive. How much you spend in your kerosene every month? They then calculate, oh, I spent so much for our kerosene at home. Why didn't you give the, every month the same amount to us and we give you the solar home system? So you know, this is not something additional. You just get everything. You get your solar home system. And you do it for three years. Once you have done this for three years, every month, same money for, uh, that you spend for kerosene, this is all yours. You don't have to pay a penny to anybody. Because in the meantime, we got our money back, the spent, that we money spent for the solar system. Then this started rising. We came in, our, in the 15th year of our operation in the, this company. We came to a level where we were selling 1,000 solar home systems per day. Today, we have nearly 2 million homes with solar home system. All self-reliant, everything. It doesn't, it's not a charity system. You are paying back just like your electricity bill. Every month, you're paying the kerosene bill. That's all. And you got your whole system. And we became the largest off-grid solar system in the whole world. Nobody ever did that. Well, well, while social business may have kind of more pizzazz to it, I think problem solving may be more accurate. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, Professor Yunus, I think it would be particularly interesting to the people here this evening if you could talk about your experience over the last 10 years with, with Grameen in America. Um, oh, this because is it's fantastic. now um, been a decade since. Yeah since you've been here formally, although okay. maybe you could um, talk about one of your first trips to America, um, yeah. which was at the invitation of my parents yeah. more than 30 years ago. Exactly, yeah. So, so uh, Professor Yunus came to Arkansas, I think yes. in 1983. <laughs> way back. Um, way back, goodness. <laughs> yeah, we are continuing to date ourselves here yeah. <laughs> on the stage this evening. Yeah. Um, but maybe just talk a little bit about yeah. that experience, but really... Um, I think the audience and I, I certainly yeah. would love to hear yeah. about kind of now your, your decades perspective of, of working with, with Grameen here in America and, exactly. um, and where you think you're going next. You, you send me to the memory lane now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, somebody told me uh, that uh, uh, there's a governor in a U.S. Uh, state who is interested in what we are doing in Bangladesh. I didn't know who this guy is. <laughs> <laughs> Then one day I actually received a letter from him. He said, we'll be very happy when you come to the United States. We'd we'll like to talk to you and uh, uh, we'd like to understand what you're doing. So I said, okay, when I come next time, definitely I'll do that. So I did that. At that time, the uh, governor was attending a governor's conference in Washington the day I came. So he said, when you're coming, if you come to Washington, you don't have to go to Arkansas, we meet there. 
So I met him at the governor of Arkansas, Bill Clinton, and his wife, Hillary Clinton, in a hotel room, Four Seasons Hotel, I still remember. <laughs> <laughs> so he uh, questioned and questioned and questioned. Um, his two f banker friends, American banker friends, also present because he wants to understand how much it sounds like a banking. Uh, at the end, uh, he said, oh, this is fantastic. Can, you, can we do it in Arkansas? We need it because exactly what you have, the same problem we have, the lots of poverty and so on. This is exactly the right thing for us. Then he asked the banker friends, how long will it take to do that, to process this whole thing? So started. The banker friend said, you need this clearance, you need this permission. <laughs> it will be between six months to a year before you can really set it up. So Bill Clinton was very upset that it takes so much time. You want to get it done right away. He looks at me, he said, do we have to wait that long? I said, not with me. <laughs> <laughs> I said, how long will you take? I said, I can start tomorrow. <laughs> I'm lending money. I don't have to go to anybody. I mean, you don't call it a bank. The moment you call it a bank, you get trapped in all the rules and procedures. <laughs> I'm just giving the money, that's all. It's my risk. <laughs> he said, I like that. Why don't you come to Arkansas? I said, I will. <laughs> and that led to a very elaborate visit to Arkansas meeting. I said, amazing results. People sitting there, there's no work. There used to be a garment factory, closed down, no jobs. And I started talking to them. They cannot believe a bank will lend them the money. He said, no, bank don't lend the money. Why should I talk to you? I said, no, I'm not a bank. I just came to you. If you think you can use some money, I'll give you the money. Then they started talking. And we started this program called um, Grameen Fund in Arkansas and became a very formal structure and so started doing that. Uh, it continued, we get very encouraged. But after uh, governor got elected as a president, the gradually uh, the program got died down. It's, uh, nobody paid any attention to it. And then every time I come to United States, people say, well, Grameen doesn't work in Bangladesh, in the United States. It may work in Bangladesh, but America is a different country. It will never work. And later on, people say, we tried it 500 times in five different institutions. It, don't, it doesn't work. Uh, then I started saying, you can do it 5,000 times. And every time you may fail, but I will keep saying it can be done. So how come? It fails and you say it can be done. I said, Fails doesn't mean it cannot be done. Fails only means you didn't know how to do it. <laughs> it's a very simple thing. And somebody in the audience stood up. He said, if you're so sure, why don't you do it here? I said, I'll do that. Give me the money, I'll do it. And that was the beginning of Grameen America. And the guy, after the conference, he just uh, stood by. He said, how much money would you need? I just quickly calculated and how many borrowers, what will be the typical size of loan. I said, for each branch, you have to find me at least $6 million, assuming that there'll be 4,000 borrowers. He said, I'll find it for you. I said, then I'll do it for you. So we started, this discussion went on in 2007. In 2008, we launched it in January in Jackson Heights and became a beautiful branch. 
every single thing. It's a hard work because people don't understand what it is. We have to explain everything that we did. We sent someone from Bangladesh, a branch manager in Bangladesh. I told him, go you do it in Jacksonville. He said, but I've never been to the United States. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know anything about the United States. I said, who told you to know anything about the United States? You know everything about Grameen Bank. That's why we're sending you there. You just do whatever Grameen Bank does. They don't listen to anybody. <laughs> he did precisely that. He couldn't care less what people say, oh, you have to do this. You have to. I said, I, he said, I don't do anything. I do this thing. Amen. It worked. And today, there are 20 branches all over the United States. There are seven branches right here in New York. Uh, Andrea was here, he was, she was explaining. 100,000 borrowers already all over the United States, 100% women. They lent a billion dollars already. And they are planning for the next 10 years. They are celebrating tonight, that their first decade. And they are calculating how much money they will be needing. So I was asking them last night, I was saying, how much money you needed to get to the billion dollar? They calculated well, less than $100 million. With $100 million, we gave $1 billion loan. That's the kind of capacity that you when you recycle money. I said, from 100,000 borrowers, how far do you want to go safely? So I said, we have 20 branches now. We can do easily 40 branches, very quietly, no problem. And how much money uh, can you give out? Say $10 billion. And how much money you'll be needing for $10 billion? We calculate $250 million. And 100% repayment record, no legal papers, no lawyers involved. <laughs> Everything was perfect. So, I hope it is uh, evident now why uh, Mohammed Yunus is a hero to me and to so many. Um, and I'm thrilled, uh, I think, if I heard correctly, that he's only just getting started in his work here in the United States. Right. Uh, yes, good, you heard it here yes, on stage. Yes, of course. And $250 million is not a lot of money. Anybody can do that. <laughs> just provide the money. It will be $10 billion in 10 years. So and I you hope get all your of money our back. banker friends are listening yeah. here this yeah, absolutely. evening. Um, this is a, as well it, it as fellow make, problem solvers. It just doesn't make sense to me. For $250 million, a million, half a million women could change their life. And you give $10 billion as a loan to them and you get it back, with 100% repayment record, never happened in history. But they're making that history. It's all a question of just putting, and you're not giving away that $250 million. Those $250 million will return to you. That is still these people will be. I'm converted already. Absolutely, yeah. Um, but I certainly hope that if you weren't uh, at the beginning of the session this evening, you are now. Um, and I want. If, I, if we don't get. Okay, no, please keep going. I'm, just, no, I, I'm with you. If, you. if you don't get that $250 million to put it to the second decade, I'll say something wrong in the American mind. I cannot understand this. It's terribly wrong. Well, hopefully uh, the collective we and, and more broadly will will prove that there is still quite a lot right in America. Absolutely. Um, That's and that we do have to continue to fight for our shared future. So uh, I just am incredibly grateful. Please, though, give Professor Yunus a tremendous round of applause. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed that fantastic conversation between Chelsea Clinton and Professor Mohammed Yunus. Visit GrameenFoundation.org to learn more about the Grameen Bank and the amazing work they're doing around the world. Our top takeaways? First, 
Eunice shows us that models that recognize the fundamental dignity and potential of every human being will succeed. He challenged the notion that impoverished women are a bad credit risk, and the results are phenomenal. Second, social businesses may provide us with the opportunity to solve some of the world's toughest challenges. And inspired by Eunice, more and more entrepreneurs are starting their businesses with exactly that in mind. Finally, when we change the way we look at the world, anything is possible. Eunice saw potential where others saw poverty. And when the critic said his plan was unworkable, he stuck to his vision, reminding us that failure doesn't mean it can't be done, only that it hasn't worked yet. You're listening to Seneca Women, Conversations on Power and Purpose. Please support this podcast by telling your friends, subscribing, and rating us on Apple Podcasts. For more information, follow Seneca Women on social media, visit our website, SenecaWomen.com, and check out the Seneca Connect app in the App Store. Have a great week.